The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. gentlemen the countdown is upon us we are less than a week if you are listening to this today wednesday march 10th from the start of the nfl free agency the league year guys we have made it we made it to free agent frenzy time then what a frenzy it's been guys some of the news uh coming out today yesterday this weekend i am your co-host for fantasy beasts and where to find them kyle rainey joined us always by my co-host, my cousin, my friend, Gary Halt. Yeah, it's a, it's a good day. It's a good night. Got a little bit of Pink Whitney and Watermelon Crush. So, going to have a good time recording. It's like alcoholic Jolly, Rancher. Jolly Ranchers. And boy, do I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But before we get a little bit too further into our Pink Whitney Crush, let's um, run out some of the news from this week. The Bears are prioritizing a trade for quarterback Russell Wilson. Uh, we'll see how true that is, but Russ and Seattle seems to be miles apart here. Yeah, um, and obviously with one of the trades that went down, uh, or um, one of the signings that went down, um, one of his spots that are preferred are out. Um, but did he say he said the Bears were one of his he preferred spots? He said the Bears are one of his preferred spots. So It's pretty good news for the Bears, uh, especially with their quarterback woes. So maybe they can get a deal done and he can get a happy ending. Um, <laughs> let's rephrase that one, but sure. Um, <laughs> the the Las Vegas Raiders are releasing Richie Incognito and LaMarcus Joyner, freeing up more cap space there. That team's a mess right now. Yeah, um, that team is a mess, but, uh, I mean, you got to rebuild and still compete, so yeah, they got to figure things out there. Mike Mayock's first four free agency signings from his career in Las Vegas are either all gone from the team or on the trade block. Being Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, uh Lamarcus Joyner, and Trent Brown, who is on the free or who is on the trade block at the moment. Yeah, and outside of like Josh Jacobs and he drafted Darren Waller, right? No. No. Darren Waller was a free agent signing okay, from so, Baltimore I who mean, was a former receiver. Outside of Josh Jacobs, his drafting hasn't been that great either. Trouble in Vegas. Um, a lot of trade talks. The Eagles are looking to shop Zach Ertz. The Browns are looking to shop David and Joku. Um, tight end market looks like it's heating up. Yeah, tight end market looks like it's heating up, and especially for Zach Ertz because they got Dallas Godard, Goddard, however you say it, Godard, and uh, there's rumors that they might take Pitts. Yeah. Um. The the pit signing or the pits drafting would make sense. You want to get some talent there for Jalen Hurts. And I know you don't necessarily need a tight end, but as you and I have already shown, we really think Kyle Pitts is the future. I um, was talking to you today. I think outside of um, Trevor Lawrence, that he is hands down the best player in the draft. He's basically a wide receiver 
Um, but he's going to be a mismatch because of his size. Correct, yeah. I, I really think Pitts is the end-all, be-all coming forward here. Um, a team that's made more releases and signings recently, the Houston Texans have signed former Seahawks center Justin Britt. Yeah, um, the Seahawks are, or I'm sorry, the Texans are... A nightmare? A nightmare, and they got to figure things out with the quarterback position, but getting a guy... To anchor your offensive line is very important as well. Speaking of anchoring an offensive line, um, the Tennessee Titans have traded former 2020 first-round pick Isaiah Wilson to Miami. Uh, at the time of recording, the exchange is yet to be really announced. Uh, I've seen a few places at seventh-round pick, but uh, wow. Wow, what a swing and a miss on a first-rounder. Yeah, definitely, um, especially because you think a first-rounder would... At, At least, least yield a mid-round pick. Yeah, and uh, the I guess the complaint from the Titans is that uh, he's not a very motivated player, and he basically quit on him. So if the if the Dolphins can get something out of this guy, it's a win-win trade for them. You know, they, yeah, they um, only gave up a later round pick, possibly. So Miami's got ties to him, actually, with uh, Coach Flores having gone to the same high school, having known Isaiah Wilson for a little while. Um, Curious as to, to more of the story as to why he kind of checked out. Yeah, um, I mean, it's never a good sign as a rookie a year into your career to be checking out and basically build a cancer. I mean, considering that Tennessee also made the playoffs and Miami didn't. So. Yeah, and he played three snaps the entire season. Yeah, um, I do know that it could possibly be COVID-related. I know he either was on the list or got COVID. He was on the list frequently. So it could possibly be that. They were kind of joshing him around a little bit. Uh, one of the other ones, we've got some big um, restricted free agency news today. Uh, Brandon Scurf has been franchise tagged from the Washington football team. He will not see free agency. Uh, and Marcus May from the Jets, the safety, will also be receiving a franchise tag. So two guys who pretty much not testing the open market this year. Although Denzel Perryman of the Chargers will be testing the open market. Yeah, um... Those two guys that are getting franchise tagged are obviously players that those teams want to keep. And especially, I would say, uh, for the Jets it's important, considering they gave away their top safety this year for a draft pick. Well, for a couple draft picks. Um, So you don't want to lose all your defensive back help. Oh, I mean, it's New York, New York, so you never know what they're going to actually do. Um, The quarterback situation now. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Despite all the rumors this weekend that he is done and not going to come back, is announcing he does intend on playing in 2021. And that's that's a kind of signing that you would want for a rookie quarterback. Um, a team like Jacksonville getting Trevor Lawrence saying, hey, come mentor this guy, uh, be a leader for him. Is If you want to keep playing, you should not expect to be a starter in this league. Um Unless you there's a team like New England out there that want another bridge. New England, the Jets, stuff yeah. like that. But uh, if if he wants to stay competitive or stay relevant in the league, you should take a backup deal and mentor a young guy. Absolutely. And now the news, I'm sure, for six minutes, some of you are banging your head on the wall. When are we going to talk about it? Uh, the extension is done. After many, many Jerry Jones low bro- blows, Dak Prescott sees a four-year $160 million extension with $126 million guaranteed. 40 bills a year. I think the best news of this for Dak, if this goes poorly for the next four years. His signing bonus. 
not even the signing bonus. Dallas has actually applied the franchise tag to him this year. Okay. Meaning, because, yes, they got a deal discussed, but he hasn't signed yet. Yeah. And the the deadline, I believe, is today or tomorrow for the franchise tag. So mm-hmm. if they go, okay, we're not going to tag you, and he goes, yeah, ha- actually, I'm, I'm not going to sign, yeah. he can go to free agency. However, now that they have tagged him, mm-hmm. In four years, when this deal's done, Dak will be 31 years old. Yep. Dak will not be able to be tagged by Dallas. After 31? No, no, at all. Because oh, okay. the NFLPA, unless Jerry Jones makes noise and gets a change, states that you can only franchise tag a player to your team twice, ever. Yeah, that so, was one of the problems with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, so that's the thing. So Dak can't be tagged again. So you're going to see in four years at 31 in the prime of his career if Dak is the top guy mm-hmm. and Jerry Jones still doesn't know anything, Dak will be free to walk. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, if he signs that deal, though, he gets 65 or $66 million in signing bonus, and that breaks an uh, NFL record. Yeah. Uh, but, 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 now we are going to make our last leg of the draft track to start the draft track. Um We've gone out, we've done a lot of homework, mostly around offensive players, yes. which works well for us this year. It's a heavily offensive draft. Yeah, big big offensive draft, a lot, a lot of depth at the wide receiver position, and a ton of talent at running back. Yeah, um, so like good, good draft for that. Honestly, Gary, I don't know if you're getting the same feeling. I didn't find it as a great defensive player draft this year. No, and at least I, not in the top two rounds. No, and then you and I even watched a few of the top guys who are supposedly the top defensive talents, and a couple guys that are big names just did not impress us. Yeah, we're going to get into that today. Um, there won't be any rankings at the end of this episode, but we just want to talk about a couple players, you know, on these lists that we did look into. I'm, you know, I think the way that I'm going to do this, Gary, I think I'm going to go by position and just read off players we watched at the position. Yep. And we're we'll just going to bounce on these players as we can go. Um, what do you see we start on the D-line? Oh, yeah, let's go. Uh, so we did watch some tape. We watched Carlos Basham Jr. from Wake Forest. We watched Christian Barmore from Bama. Uh, we did watch Gregory Russo from Miami. We got some of Joseph Osai uh, from Texas. And we watched some Quiddy Pay from Michigan. Um... What'd you like? What'd you not like? Um, some of the some of the guys that we watched early. I liked uh, Quiddy Pay's uh, film. Um, I noticed early on, uh, especially when you were when you and I were watching, um, and uh, a lot of his good plays come from when he extends his hands, and he's very good at extending his hands and getting separation from the tackle. Yeah, um, a, a lot of times he gets that push behind it, he separates, and he fully boxes out, basically, mm-hmm. the lineman. But then it doesn't just stop there where it's like, okay, my feet need to stay, and I'm, I'm going to win with this mm-hmm. with my hands. He boxes out and charges the lineman yeah, backwards. He, he's very quick and very strong. He is undersized, but he's got a lot of power for being undersized. Yeah, uh, I actually, the first note I had on this in the Minnesota game from this past year was he's a disruptor. Mm-hmm. He find he finds a way to break that line apart, whether it be from the edge, the three, the one tech. Um, he was consistently in the backfield. Yep. And yeah, I mean, he was just he was driving the lineman through through the pocket and just making a hell on the on the quarterback. Yeah, and he and another thing that I noted is he's he fights each play. His motor's high. Um, there's no laziness to him. He he 
fights each play and treats each play like it's ma- it matters. It's definitely one of those situations. Um, Michigan line me linemen always scare me because I feel like there's always one in the top two rounds and they never necessarily pan out. Yeah, you're not wrong. Josh Uche really didn't do anything last year. Um, Rashawn Gary two years ago. But I, I think it might be different this year, honestly. Quay Pay looks like the real deal. Yeah, he does. Um, excited to see where he goes. He's graded as a first-round talent, and I think he's graded as one of the, the top He's currently like the top addressers. He's maybe? like the top two addresser. Yeah. Um, one of the next guys on that list, Joseph Asai. Uh I didn't really notice anything that's, that jumped off paper. I mean, nothing. Like, he's quick around the edge. I, I did yeah. notice that. He has... A very good tendency of running the inside, and he's fluid enough to go inside and outside on his blocks. But the one thing I noticed is he he has good sustained pressure. Like he's each like he's like a gnat. Yeah, each play he's he's almost getting to the quarterback. There's a couple times I think where he almost swatted the ball, and it was just like a hair too short. But one of his best moves that he uses is this like club move where he uses his outside hand and basically kind of. Uh, punches the lineman, but uses it as like a, a battering ram. Yeah, right? and, and it works. And we will say, um, a lot of these late round players, we did somehow lose our um, draft network capability for all twenty two. So we we had a bit of a tougher time getting some of these later defensive players. We started with, and we did start with the linemen. Um, so we didn't have a whole bunch of tape on Osai, um, but I I don't know if I necessarily think he's going to be one of the top two edge rushers in this draft. Uh, Gregory Rossell, though. It's a kid who, granted, not playing last year. I've seen him fall a lot because he's not. He didn't play in twenty twenty. Yeah, but six, six, seven, just a, a monster. He 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 fended off double teams. He was disruptive and he was a penetrator. If they if they lined him up on the inside, um, and he he the issue we noticed is he tends to use his body instead of boxing out with the arms. Yeah, he. At 6'7", you should probably have long arms, and you should be able to separate yourself from the lineman. He tends to let the lineman get inside of him and almost kind of fall into him a little bit. Instead yeah. Of, instead of, like, uh, basically Ben's pressing him off, which is what you should be doing, he just kind of, like, leans on him. And that can be a tendency for poor um, technique. So if somebody can get a, get their hands on him, a good D-line coach, say, hey, this is what you got to do, he might be a good player. I'm seeing him fall to the back of the ha- back half of the first round, so um, there's questions there because he didn't play this year. But I think he could be a special player. There's size to him, um, and he definitely can be used all over the line. I think they lined him up outside, they lined him up inside, so he's got some capability to be versatile. But overall, there's some question there. Absolutely, um, I definitely I think not playing this year kind of hurts that, and I think a team if they can get him in the late first. Could get a steal on the player. I think, I don't know about you, but like I told you while watching him, he reminds you of Cameron Jordan. Yes, the ability to line everywhere. He's got that really lanky, long body. Mm-hmm. I still personally like him. I think I've got him probably number two, number three. Yeah. Um, we went interior with this next this next guy. We, we checked out Kristen Barmore, um, the D-tackle out of Bama. You may notice there wasn't a whole bunch there. No, it was weird because... I asked him, like, man, how many sacks did he have? Because he's just not – I don't know if it was the – He's not flashy on tape. No, I don't know if his, he's getting his sacks in multiple games. Like, if he had, like, a game – a couple game period where it's like, oh, I had three sacks or two sacks or whatever. Um, But watching him against Ole Miss, there was zero pass rush, um, mostly a run stopper. 
uh, and he kind of plays big. He's a he's a gapper, you know. Yeah. He, he uses big body. He's a hog. He's 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 in there. Um, basically, there's a couple times where he's using. He's basically got one hand on the offensive lineman, kind of shucking him off, and then basically grabs the running back. Um, yeah. He's strong. He's a he's a very strong defensive tackle. Absolutely. But more of a, in my opinion, a gapper. Absolutely. Uh, a little bit of breaking news here. I do have uh, the the trade acquisitions. Albert Breer clarifying. Uh, the Titans are actually sending former first-round pick Isaiah Wilson and a 2022 seventh-round pick. Oh, so it's not even... No, for a Miami Dolphins 2021 seventh-round pick. They're literally paying a... a like, you just get rid of them. Hmm. I mean, I guess that's good for the Dolphins if he pans out, but... Uh, that's, what, that's, what do you do in Tennessee? That's such a waste. Yeah. Uh, the last last player we really watched, we, we scoped in. I saw him popping up some draft boards currently. We did look at Kelvin Basham Jr. Or Carlos Basham Jr. out of Wake Forest. Um, granted, we did see him against Clemson. You, you liked his eyes. He tended to get in the way of the ball a lot. Yeah, and he got fooled a lot by some um, some trickery in the backfield. There's there's times where um, he could probably make the play, but he second guesses himself because Clemson runs um, that read option with Etienne oh, and, and Trevor Lawrence. And there was times where Trevor Lawrence gave it to Etienne, but Etienne runs right by him because he he didn't commit to either of the plays. Yeah, he just kind of stood in the middle like a like yeah. a pylon. He like froze like a deer in a headlights. But there there were a couple plays where he was a force to be reckoned with. There was an early sack that he had on Trevor Lawrence and kind of made Trevor Lawrence panic and put a hurting on him. And then there was a play where he read Trevor Lawrence's eyes and swatted a ball down. So he's got some skill there, um, but he definitely needs some work with um, making his reads, especially with those trickery plays and probably not watching. Uh, too much of the backfield. He's got to. He's got to get better at recognizing his keys. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I'll. If you got anything else you want to say about Basham, I, I, I definitely could see him as a project player. It's somebody who who's got the the intangibles. Yeah, the, but I don't think he's a solidified first round guy. Like he's gonna come in and right. immediately. There produce. was one really bad negative that I had on him, and um in a in the pass rush well, the only thing i'll give clemson is clemson's was very good at getting the ball out quick so he was very ineffective for a lot of pass rush plays yeah so they would do this they do these like little bubble screens or quick dips to slants yeah um i mean trevor Lawrence has also got a strong arm in getting it out quick but um there's a couple times where there's deep pass plays he would do one move and basically quit on the play and like i'm blocked i'm not fighting yeah and that's that's something that you don't want to see as a scout because it's like, well, he's quitting up on the play. If he's got only one move in his repertoire, that's something Yeah, serious. that's something. Plus, it's something easy to read on tape. Yeah, right. I mean, he's going to be ineffective. You won't even you won't see the field for more than a year. Yeah. Uh, next, let's go to uh, the front seven some more. Let's discuss some linebackers real quick here, Gary. Yep, let me just reverse it here. We might, uh, we might have the hottest take of the draft so far with this. Yeah. Um, we already have one with not being big fans of uh, Trey Lance. Trey Lance, and we were a little skeptic on Jamar Chase. But I still think Chase is a better... I think Chase will still produce, but it just his his lack of ability and care it, that was seen on some of the tape has me concerned that if he brings that attitude to the pros, yeah. he's going to have a hard he's time adjusting. He's got talent, but he's, he's got that bring... He's got that everybody says diva wide receiver personality. Yeah. That's the... That's the red flag there. Um, but our big thing... Micah Parsons. Everybody is jonesing over him. Linebacker out of Penn State, 6'3". 
we don't see it. No, we don't see it. And we looked at the stats, and he's comparable to other linebackers. It's very similar. And it's like there's nothing that pops out at you. We watched him on tape. He's got awful reads. He had good pursuit. He yeah. was He had average to good cover skills. He picks the wrong hole almost R- every single time. Like almost every time. It's, it's like a guessing game. And the problem is they dumbed it down, and he's, he's still guessing wrong. Um, he struggles to get off blocks. He's yeah. just an average blitzer. Um, he frequently over-pursues the play when he's going in for the run. Yeah. He, he goes in the wrong pocket, and then he's chasing from behind every time. And he shouldn't have to be. And then when he is blocked, he doesn't like fight to get free. He won't sh- like like when he doesn't shed the block, he just kind of takes the block. Especially if he blitzes up the gut. Right. He gets swallowed up when he's blitzing, and it just does not go well for him. Um, he he didn't seem, which is something you never want to say about a linebacker. But I mean, both games we watched Michigan and Minnesota from 2019. He didn't seem at all to have a nose for the ball. No, it didn't seem like he was sniffing out where the play is. Where's it heading? Where's it gonna be? He just and they were I've, running. I, I've seen reports of him supposed to be the next Keekley, and I just don't see it on the film. Keekley was a dominant linebacker and was in your face each play. This guy's missing tackles, missing reads, and shooting the wrong gap, and it's like where? Yeah, for a player that that scouts have pegged as don't or can't miss, uh, Gary and I were just not as awe-inspired as these scouts no, make it. And I'm not a pro at all, but I I'm there's seeing, certain things you can pick up. Yeah, and there just wasn't a lot of flash to his game. Um, you got anything else you want to add about him? No, I would just say that. I can, um, I can see a team drafting him and him just not existing at all. Yeah, I I can see him being overdrafted and it, it not being a great sign. Um, I hope not. Obviously, for any player and every player, we hope that everything works well. Yeah, right. Uh, however, the number two guy, number two to three in most cases, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa out of Notre Dame. We really like this kid. It was almost night and day when you would you want to see out of a linebacker. When he shoots the gap, he makes the play in the backfield. Yep. He shoots the gap hard. He plays hard. He wraps up violently and makes sure he takes his guys down. Um, he's got an effective bull rush. Uh, had a ton of pass breakups. And then... Um, oh, what did I put here? I don't know what I put here. But um, he does this like um, move when he, he blitzes. And it's like elite. I don't know their... I don't understand how to explain it unless it's on film, but it's almost like this, um, I don't know what you want to call it. He uses his rip move. I guess it's a rip move, and it's very effective. Um, I mean, I'll say his speed was above average. His He's a very, very good pass rusher. He shows the ability to jump routes, which was nice. He got in the way of a couple passes at the line, just jumping it and almost making the interceptions. Um, he was... Behind the line frequently and sniffing the play down. It wasn't just like he was behind the line just to bring a blitz and he was fucking whoa. Um, Ooh, it's okay. It's our show. <laughs> well, apologize for that. We try not to do that, but a little bit too excited about it. He he's he's down there and he's not just looking to blow up the quarterback. He's he's making the read. Okay, he's got the ball and dragging the ball carrier down behind the line. Um, a few open field tackles. Too. Yeah, and a few times he he's for he's crushing these quarterbacks. And he's bringing such pressure that as he's bearing down a blitz, he's he's forcing these ugly throws. Um, the Duke game, 
he actually, like, he should have single-handedly been the the deal for an interception that was dropped by his teammates. Yeah. He forced an ugly, hideous throw, and his teammates dropped that. They also um, had a line up, line up outside in yep. coverage. Almost as a slot cover. Yeah, um, I think that was the play I was about to talk about. It was at the Stanford game where he was doing that. Yes. Yeah, the Stanford game, they had him do that, and he was showing the patience as well to hold cover while still continuing to be the QB spy. He was watching it, he was going with his guy, but he was almost just between his route and the quarterback, making sure the quarterback wasn't going to go forward, but the quarterback also wasn't putting the ball over the guy, over uh, Koromoa's head. Uh, yeah, and then. Uh, and against Stanford as well, there's a, there was a couple plays where um, I call it closing speed, where he lines up on the outside and they basically leave him unblocked because they're rushing to like let's say he lines up on the right side of the field, and they run a zone play to the left and they leave the right guy unblocked because all the linemen block down to the left and leave the right side unblocked. Closest closest on the offensive lineman basically kind of shoots down the line and makes the play in the backfield. Yeah. And a lot of guys don't have that type of ability. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that might be both of our favorite linebacker at the moment, but real, real big fan of what he brought like tape-wise. The, the tape was night and day. It was almost yes. like, why is this guy... Not number one. Yes. Uh, another linebacker, Zaven Collins out of Tulsa. This was a little tougher. He was very tough for us to get tape on. Um, what I noted, he, he was good. He has a lot of good reads on pass plays. Yeah. Um, he reads and attacks the gap violently. He was like a bowling ball going through a gap once he got to it. Mm-hmm. And he's hitting everything in his way. Um, he was used in run and pass downs, and he was efficient in both. He has a super high motor. Um, and he's literally all over the field. Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of plays where he's in the right place at the right time. He had a, an interception on tape. And basically, he was where he needed to be. That's why he got the pick. Um, he's got um, elite, the elite ability to shoot a gap, similar to how um, our last guy we talked about has that. Koromoa. Yeah, Koromoa. Um, he's got that ability to shoot a gap, make a play in the gap or in the backfield. Um, like I, like you said, high effort. I put you put high motor. I put high effort. And then, um, const like when he blitzes, it's constant pressure. And there's a lot of times where. The guy, I think the guy was a freshman at this point, the quarterback for UCF. Um, if not, he was a sophomore. But uh, that guy is actually a very good quarterback, very young Dylan quarterback. Dylan Gabriel. Yes, Dylan Gabriel. Um, he had to force a lot of throws away because it was constant pressure from this guy. Yeah, um, I mean, I personally, I think Zayvon Collins has the ability and he might be a year away. He's gonna yeah. get, he's gonna see snaps this year. He'll need some coaching up. But he might be a full year away from being a very disruptive NFL pro, but I think he's got it in him as well. I think he's big too. Um let me double check that. He looked big on film at least. It's weird because there's a lot of guys that'll be like, Man, he looks tiny and he's like six four, two sixty. Stephen Collins was six four, two sixty. Yeah, so okay. <laughs> But he doesn't look like when I on film he looked bigger. He looked six four two sixty. So uh, he was the Bronco Nagurski Trophy winner and the Bednarik. So he uh, he had a very good season. I I think I like a lot of what Zayvon Collins can bring. Yeah, he's definitely a guy. He can, he's probably going to be more of an outside linebacker than an inside. I linebacker. would think so. They said he can play edge as well. So I'm thinking outside mm-hmm. and edge. Uh, last guy, last but not least, we also checked out Nick Bolton of Mizzou. 
Uh, he tracks and pursues ball carry well enough through tra- through traffic. He's a bit undersized in the next level, being only 6'2", but he was a nasty blitzer I had. He had a real low center of gravity, which forced a lot of hard hits. Um, and he was a vacuum cleaner with a loose ball. There was one play with a forced fumble, and he didn't miss a step. He literally bent down, scooped it, and just continued in one fluid motion ahead. Yeah, this is one of the guys that I liked, and especially we watched them against Bama. And he was putting a hurting on some of Bama's players. Yeah. Um, he hit, was roughing up um, Najee Harris a few yeah, times. Yeah, he hits like a truck. There was one play where he shoots the gap, and I think he just murders he Mac Jones. He lit Mac Jones up. Um, and Mac Jones is a big boy. So uh, this guy's got a high motor, and he plays undersized, but he plays like he's bigger. Well, he's six foot two thirty one. So yeah. he's definitely tiny for, for what you'd want. But The weight's up there, but it's the, the height that you want. If he was a little bit taller, he'd probably have a, a bigger, a bit bigger of a build too, weight wise. But um, definitely plays bigger than he is. And if he's not going to be a starter defense, he's going to be a monster on special teams. I'll, I'll put that right there, right now. Um, right now. I'm, I mean, a guy who only played ten games this past year averaged nine and a half tackles a game. Yeah, so. um, nine and a half tackles a game. He wasn't really effectively used in the blitzes. Um, I don't know if that's his fault or their tail around coming out of Tulsa. Um, Mizzou. Mizzou, I mean, same thing. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, another guy who uh, probably going to be closer to a second, mid-second round talent. Yeah, I would guess. Um, And if he falls, it's because he's undersized. Yes. Um, We'd love to see what he's running at at his 40 time, though. Uh, Gary, want to get on to the last, last one here? Yeah, what I'm going to do here is I'm actually going to read off a couple. We, we had a few secondary players here. Um, I will openly tell you, we watched uh, Trayvon Morig out of TCU and Jevin Holland out of Oregon. Um, neither of the safeties really... They had like almost no plays in their film we watched. Yeah. It, it was just running around. It was and... like they were just kind of floating in the secondary. There wasn't really anything thrown in their direction. Um, it almost looked like from time to time Javon How- or Holland was just running away from plays. Yeah. Uh, he was the, always on the opposite side of the ball. Which is the guy that I said, oh, yeah, the guy from Oregon, Javon. Yeah. He had goofy arms. Yes. Like really long arms and just kind of flops Like around. James Engel. Yeah. <laughs> um, we did also look into three corners. Though. We uh, we checked out Eric Stoke out of Georgia, who ran a 4.2440 time at the combine this past week. Uh, and at 6-1, we saw J.C. Horn from South Carolina, uh, Patrick Certain, the second, from Bama, Caleb Fairley, the cornerback out of Virginia Tech. Uh, we also looked at the Syracuse cornerback. Yeah, we had to watch the highlights. But, film. like, that, we, we couldn't get much tape on that, so we're not even going to really discuss that. Gary, these four corners, what did you see? What, what did you see? What did you like? So, I'll start with... Um... My second choice out of these guys, I'm going to go with Caleb Farley. Um, the only reason I would say he's my second is because in all the film we watch, we watch two or three games, there's a route he struggles with, and it's a route that he'll see a lot in the NFL. It's Was this the cross? It's a cross route. It's either slants or anytime a receiver crosses his face if he's on man coverage, he gets burnt every single time. So... Yes, but what I what I noticed, and I I actually kind of want to go back and and take a peek, because he did sit out the twenty twenty season. Um, he was much more prolific in pass cover against Wake Forest in twenty nineteen. Yeah. the The game we saw a lot of issues with him running that route. What we did notice with Caleb Far- or Farley is he 
He was on an island. He was on an island, and he would lock down one side. Yeah. And his freshman year, he he stayed to the bottom side, the right side of the defense. Um, And all too often... It was like he has issues. It was like he has issues strafing left. Yeah. Um. They're running quick slants from the left side of the offense. His his right. Um. And they're just crossing him over, and he yeah. can't contain and that quick slant. It's not like he should get bullied. The dude's six one. Correct. And what? Well, what's even weirder? And this is the thing. I wonder if it's just an issue with him strafing. I don't even know if I said this to you when watching the Wake Forest game. He was. On the left side of the defense, and I, I noted it to you. It was like, oh, he's only really lining on the left side. The biggest catch I saw against him that game mm-hmm. was the one time he was on the right side of the defense, and yeah. he got burnt on the same exact route. Um, the only reason I say he's my second guy is because uh, his man-to-man coverage was really good, and um, I liked his film better than Patrick Sertain's from Alabama. Agreed. Um he he had very good lateral movement to to the right. Um, he doesn't he doesn't shatter number ones, and that could be a big issue where people don't necessarily want him as the top corner in the draft. At least nothing that we saw. He looked awkward in the blitz. He keeps everything in front of him. I yes. think you already said that, but he was he was very good at doing that. He's not really a run support guy, um, but he also locked down everything on the left hand side of the defense. Where yeah. they barely even threw. Yeah, there was almost no side. targets on that side. Um, and he's very good at pre- pre-diagnosing the route. However, uh, we'll, we'll go with the guy you just said. Patrick Certain was the guy who on a lot of lists was number two on this list. Um, he's not great in man cover. No. He was smoked by a bigger receiver who's not as fast as him. He he can stick with the route, but he doesn't track the ball well in the air. We noticed that... Um, Versus Florida last year, Grimes, who, who was the tra- third guy, Grimes, the third, the third receiver who's coming in the draft, but expected to be a fifth, sixth rounder, um, just pretty much said, hold my jock, and yeah. went up over him and pulled the ball down and just waltzed to the end zone. And there was another play before that where I think it was, it might have been either Pitts or Grimes again, where it was a back shoulder throw, he just didn't even see it. Yeah. Um, The only... The only Argument you can have is <clears throat> he's seeing top talent because he's seeing Tony, he's seeing Pitts, he's seeing um, guys he from was, LSU. He wasn't even really covering them that often. <coughs> no, but he's still seeing uh, like SEC talent. But it just compared to like Caleb Farley, um, Farley was at least staying with guys a little bit better than he was. Uh, Sertain's the only like real elite thing I saw from Sertain. Is that he doesn't give like he doesn't bite on double moves. No, um, they always give him the, the head fake inside. They shoot outside. He step for step with him, doesn't bite it, and that's gonna really help him in the I NFL. I did. I did notice. Um, they they have a lot where where Bama tries so many different schemes, and it looked like a lot of times they they want him to start looking like he was the man cover and would drop him to yeah. zone, and he seemed like he get lost on that every time dropping from man to zone. Um, and a lot of times that's when the team had the success. Correct. Because I don't know if this, I don't know if there's just not communication there, but the safety wouldn't come over for help. Correct. I don't know. Well, that's another thing though. Like like the LSU game in 2019, we watched um, LSU last year has Jamar Chase. They've got Justin Jefferson. They got they have Terrence Marshall, who's the clear number three receiver on that team. Mm. And for a majority of that game, Patrick Certain was 
blanketing Terrence Marshall. Yeah. Like, that's one of those things where it's like, okay, man, you're you're going to eventually, if you're the number one guy, you're going to have to see Jamar Chase in the pros. You're going right. to see Jamar, or Justin Jefferson in the pros. I just, I thought a lot of his tape was weak. Yes. I think he'll be a solid pro, but it's a little bit inflated. He'll be a guy who, like most Bama backs, he's good and he can hold his own, but I don't think he's ever going to be known as a top <clears throat> tier to corner right. of the league. Um, I think this is your number one, and I know it's my number one. Yeah, uh, the gentleman out of South Carolina, the Gamecock, uh, J.C. Horn. You just wanted to see J.C. Gamecock. I did. Um, J.C. Horn, it's funny because one of the first things we saw of him on tape this past, or well, we started this whole thing, was him getting absolutely smoked. Yeah. However, Gary, who smoked him the first time we saw it? I think it was Kyle Pitts. Yes, it was. Uh, and then we got to go ahead and go back and watch... More of that. We got to see who was playing what and how that how that ended up going out. And like, yeah, Pitts beat him beat him on that and maybe another pass that game. But he also But JC Horn was damn near locked down against Florida. Yeah, and he had a couple good breakups against Pitts as well. So it was more a give and take kind of thing. He was one of the guys I noticed who was one of the first few guys that we watched who does play the left and right. Yep. And will line up as a slot corner if need be. Uh he is glued step-for-step step with the receiver's hip when mm-hmm. they're in a route. He works off blocks much better than the other two, and he can't get into the backfield when needed. He's he's like a sticky hand you get out of a vending machine. Yeah, and he's the only guy so far that we've seen actually jam the receiver to hell. Yes. Um, I mean, like we said, he, he worked well covering pits. He has great use of his hands. He had a lot of plays where if he wasn't using intelligent hands, it's an easy DPI. Yep. But he... He was just—he's he, a very smart corner. Um, I mean, again, versus Bama, we watched him. We watched him peanut punch. What would have been a catch, um, mm-hmm. but he didn't even get it. Let him get that far. The ball gets to his hands. He goes to tuck it, and he comes through and just blasts it clean out for the incomplete. And that's all on ball awareness. That's mm-hmm. intelligence. And I also put that he has elite like recovery skills. There was a play. I think it was. A, I want to say it was an RPO where I think I think it was against Tua. Against Bama, where Tua um, had the guy had the running back not take it, but starts to run, and then you throw the ball behind the guy's head. Yeah, he goes to J.C. Horn goes to step up yes. on Tua, notices he's about to throw it, immediately backpedals and gets a finger on the yep. ball, and it it would have it broke up a would be touchdown. That was one of the next things they had in here. He uses his range. He's he's lanky for being mm-hmm. a, a corner at six one. He uses his range really well to be able to get a hold of, get fingers on passes and deflect them. Um, what I really like, though, as well, in the Bama game in 2019, they dispatched him against everybody. He covered Judy, he covered Ruggs, he covered Devonta Smith. That's mm-hmm. three should-be, will-be first-round yeah, picks. I could see him being a very, very good corner in the NFL. Yeah, uh, J.C. Horn's honestly my number one guy. Uh, last guy, Eric Stokes out of Georgia. Um, he doesn't look for the ball. Like, like at all. No. Um, he doesn't get off blocks super well. He he did well enough in 2019 holding Kyle Pitts in check. Uh, I hate his stance. Yeah, it's weird. It's like he gets too really low and kind of like compacts Almost, himself. Yes. Um, what I will say in a good note about him, though, uh, I eventually realized in the Florida game, because I'm like, oh, he's not really covering Pitts. He's, he's not really covering Kadarius Toney. This is from 2019, though. He was covering Van Jefferson, who was a second-round pick last mm-hmm. year. 
Um, so he was covering who would have been probably the number one option on that mm-hmm. offense last year. And he held his own. They didn't really throw it him. Uh, he closes out the play when the ball's in his hands. He, he made that interception, the pick six against, against Arkansas. Arkansas. Um, they left him an island. Yeah, they, 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 they gave him no help. And it just he's got problems tracking long routes, for, even for how fast he is. Yeah, he's going to... Um... He'll probably make a roster for the fact that he's good in man coverage. He will, and I think he'll be a second-round pick. Yeah. But I don't... He's going to be a second-round pick. He's going to be that fringe corner, I think, on teams, unless yeah. he can find mm-hmm. his stride heavily. He's going to be the guy who, who goes between rotational mm-hmm. to top rotation player, he'll, I think. He'll see, like, number two corner to slot reps. I, I, I agree. Um... Honestly, though, Gary, you got anything else you want to say about these players? Um, not nothing too crazy. Like we got some guys here. I think all of our evaluations for defense are like very similar. Similar, but like totally different from like what the the standard the guy. standard or like the media. I guess you want to say like the experts. And I guess that's not a bad thing because then you're getting views from different people. But yeah, um, I mean, I. It's not, I'm not saying that it's going to be like a, the worst draft ever, but I'm definitely not pounding the table of how much needs I want off this defensive side of the ball. It actually makes me a little bit concerned with uh, certain teams having to go defense in the draft. Yeah, and I think, honestly, some of these top guys that you're considering are that you're considering as top defensive players could fall to the second, third round yeah. because there's so much offensive talent. Yeah. Um, so, guys... That'll conclude really part one of our draft stuff. Yeah. We we got through what we wanted. The next time we will really be talking draft, um, the end of this month, end of March, we'll, we'll kind of be giving some, some mock draft thoughts and some, some web ge- or some dra- gems. The next focus of the show, though, starting Friday, we will be discussing the free agent preview. And then next week, we'll really kick into gear. The Wednesday show will be rumors of what we've heard Monday, yeah. Tuesday, because the the period opens where they can actually speak, and a lot of trickle-out news will happen, so we'll have some what should be signings Monday, Tuesday night. Um, and then Friday will actually be recap. The following week will be follow-up from that and some potential new stuff. Gary, got anything you want to add before the show closes today? Uh, yeah, so we're coming to the end of our grind period of watching hours of film, and I've learned a lot of stuff, and it's going to be awesome uh, using what I've learned into my own fantasy aspects, and I hope that when we can put this all together, that it helps everyone who's listening. Absolutely. Guys, uh, we hope that you've enjoyed everything we've, we've come up with so far through draft coverage. Um... We are going to continue to keep grinding on this, but we're going to sign off for today. Happy Wednesday, happy Thursday, happy whatever day it is that you're listening to this, whatever time, whatever hour. We thank you for listening to us. Until next time, you keep on looking for those fantasy beasts, and we'll point you exactly where to find them.